Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe, and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case. Volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Where am I? On TV. Mm -hmm. She's nice. Who is she? Uh, your girlfriend. Does she love me? Oh, worships you. What's she eating? Rolo. My favourite. It's my last one. Oh. But you can have it anyway. <laughs> Do you love anyone enough to give them your last Rolo? Soft, creamy toffee in a milk chocolate cup. Quick, draw a bunch of flowers. See, figure is. Come around here with his bloody podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I hope everyone's doing okay. It's been a busy week in, in Pablo world, in Pablo land. I don't know. Um, should I be should I be egotistical enough to name a world after myself? Uh, well, I just have, so there we are. Um, for professional wrestling fans, uh, of which I'm sure some of you might be, uh, Turnchuckle, the other podcast that I host, which is all on the same page, it is now a live weekly radio show which I host with Alex Tempest in the heart of Newcastle. It will be archived on the podcast page. Episode 1 has... Uh, we've done episode 1 and it hasn't been put on the page yet, but if you are a pro wrestling fan and you just like to hear just two you know, fans talk nonsense for a couple of hours and talk about all aspects of wrestling then uh turn chuckle is uh what you need in your life basically uh but this isn't turn chuckle this is pablo's poppin podcast and my guest this week is lawrence and he is the man behind the top david bowie tribute 
in the world in my opinion and it's hard to argue that the Bowie experience and they tour all the time but uh, we are specifically talking about two shows that will be happening at the Clooney in the heart of Newcastle uh, great venue excellent burgers by the way do recommend them and that will be the 4th and 5th of August now the 4th of August they will be playing uh, largely their regular set or like a lot of the Bowie hits going from you know the 70s all the way through to black star uh, there are costume changes it's a lot of fun and the band is incredible the second night will be a full album uh, I don't think it's been said which album yet but uh, I know but I'm not gonna tell you um, it's a full classic David Bowie album plus a lot of deep cuts and that will be incredible to see um songs that bowie's rarely or if ever played live as well and all information on how to buy tickets will be below and we do talk about it during the show as well because there's a special deal if you want uh, the tickets for both nights and there will be more information on lawrence and on the bowie experience below as well in case they come to your hometown highly 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 recommend it now i'm not going to keep you too long uh I'll, of course uh andrew kirshner i want to thank my sponsor uh, 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain now a lot of you listening may be musicians and you have to carry heavy equipment around this book deals with everyday back problems it is a real sponsor who i've had since day one i can't do the show without them and i can't do the show without your support of the sponsor as well so do there is a link below the show do click on it if uh that book does appeal to you and you can buy it on kindle as well um, there is a big green button obviously on top of the page, a patron button which if you want to support the show monetarily you're very very welcome to because uh, otherwise I will die of starvation and I've got two cats and you don't want to see cats suffer uh, without food because the thing is though if I die the cats will just eat me. Uh, you know, they, they pretend to love me, but they really don't care. But I do want to try and keep them alive if possible. And, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Like, I'm trying to do this as quickly as possible because, like, I, I want you to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> it's an intro and outro because there is news. And there'll be news after this on upcoming guests as well uh, for Turn Chuckle and for Pablo's Pop and Podcast. But, yeah, just there's um, a lot of things going on at the moment which I'm quite excited about some projects which I should be able to fill you in on more next week my band Toxic Melons will be hopefully doing a gig at the Sage very very soon and I will give you all the information about that but yes um, but many people listening will be Bowie fans and I've always wanted to do a David Bowie show and uh, this is certainly the best place to start in my opinion before we go into that i will be playing you a song by a great artist who you may not know called keith fellows and this is the girl on page three and then straight into my interview with lawrence you can keep your venus to my lawn and the mona lisa with her smile because the females that i like looking at are not form of a different style The girl on page three steals my heart every week What can I do? I know she would like me if she got to know me well But I stand as much chance as a snowball in hell of ever come face to face with the bell but it never sees me yawning at the girl on page three Was not meant for me I 
will return to the Clooney in Newcastle for two nights in August with their world-renowned celebration of David Bowie's music. Saturday the 4th of August, the Bowie Experience will perform a two-hour set round full of hits and hairdos spanning David Bowie's entire career. And then Sunday the 5th of August, the Bowie Experience will perform an iconic David Bowie album in its entirety, followed by a collection of rare material which has been seldom played live by the band if ever at all. Uh, tickets are priced £15 or there is a special offer where you can attend both nights for £22 and with me I have the incredible voice and man behind the lightning bolt, Lawrence, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks Pablo, that's what, quite a build up, thank you. Well, you know, like I always say that, you know, get the, make the intro incredible and then it can just go downhill from there, so... Oh, uh, yeah, which is, of course is much, much easier than going uphill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, very true. Um, so how are you doing today? You okay? Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from uh, my hometown. It's, uh, I live near a little uh, minster. Uh, you don't get many minsters in this country anymore, but uh, it's called Wimborne Minster, which is in, 
in <clears throat> excuse me southeast Dorset on the south coast of England. Um, pretty central, so you never know what weather forecast is appropriate for you because they always refer to the southeast and the southwest, and we're right in the middle. <laughs> so, um, so apparently we don't get any weather. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> nice place. Does it make it easy for gigs though, being kind of central? Uh, well, no, no. I mean, the, the ideal place to to live, uh, gigging around the UK, would be sort of in the Midlands, because uh, then you're pretty equal, you know, equidistant from every point in the country. So, um, you know, a large part of my work is going north. Um, you know, you've got to see it from my perspective. I'm on the south coast. Um, going north, uh, you know, most of the work sort of begins from sort of south of Birmingham upwards. You know, so. Um, you, you do get um, some gigs and things like over Essex, South East, that kind of thing, uh, down in the West Country. But in terms of, you know, where the majority of the, of the work is, as I said, it's, it's kind of Midlands, Wales, where you are, you know, um, Northwest, Liverpool, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of travelling. So, but it's always it's always worth it to come home to such a nice part of the country. Absolutely. So, when how long have you been doing this thing? Because I've known you for uh, through a few years now through uh, a mutual mm. friend and uh, promoter Martin yep. Thompson. Um, so, oh, great guy, great guy, great guy. Uh, we will embarrass him throughout this uh, entire interview. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when, uh, how long have you been doing this? Well, you know, it's uh, coming uh, in September this year. It'll be the 21st anniversary, so I would have been doing it 21 years. Wow. Um, I was at uh, a little bit of backstory, if you want it. I, yes, um, I was at uh, music college um, after trying various jobs and things, which didn't kind of work out because I'm a useless employee. <laughs> and um, so I went back to music. Yeah, it was one of those cases in, in life like, what am I going to do? Um, so I just kind of went, okay. One thing I sort of felt that I could work at and, you know, give myself to, you know, was music. So I thought, well, um, I've been playing music on and off for years and years and years. And I thought what I need to do is this, to go back to college and sort of learn uh, what, what it is I've been doing all these years, you know, in terms of being able to read and write music and that sort of thing. Mm. So I went back to college and, um, <clears throat> and then it was sort of coming to the last few months or whatever off the course and I thought, okay, well, this is all very well. This has been great. What are you going to do with it? You know, um, and as everybody, I'm sure, knows, that it's notoriously difficult to um, have any kind of living in music or the arts generally. And uh, so now, up to this point, I've been, as so many of us do, um, been playing in bands and that kind of thing. Where you know, you go out and do a night of general covers, a bit of this, a bit of that, this, that, and the other. You know, crowd pleasers, da 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 da. da. And most musicians like to do a bit of David Bowie, so we chuck a few Bowie songs in. Um, and I just like to add, I've always been a fan, always been my favourite. Um, and people uh, started to say that I sounded like him when I sung his songs, uh, which was very nice. And um, they were saying, you should do a tribute. And uh, tributes then weren't that common, number one. And number yeah. two, there was, there was also a little bit of um, a cynical attitude towards them. And number three... I just thought, that's ridiculous, you know, David Bowie, my God, you know, that's, how on earth, how on earth did you expect me to do that? Um, but anyway, so that carried on for a number of years. And also, I must just add, I was trying to, I was writing, recording my own material, so I was trying to promote that, you know, so I rather potentially would say, do a tribute, I'm an original artist, you know, <laughs> pretentious nonsense. So, um, 
So uh, as it was coming to towards the end of the course, I just thought, well, OK, maybe once in my life I should listen to what people are telling me and I'll give it a go. So I did a quick um, a quick sort of survey around the agents and stuff in the area and said, what's all this tribute thing? What's this? And would you want a David Bowie? And, and people were going, yeah, 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 okay. And then they started saying to me, you know, you can get paid this for doing that. I thought, really? Wow. <laughs> um, that'll pay the bills, um, just about. And um, so, in, in, in all honesty, you know, to this day, I still feel like I'm just starting. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's everyone is like, okay, it, I, I gave it a go the first time and that kind of worked. And I gave it another go the second time, and that kind of worked. And it's been like that ever since. So I'll give it another go, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, <laughs> and see if it works. So back then, um, obviously before social media and everything as well, was it kind of at uh, college? Uh, was it instilled in you that you sort of had to, you know, make the demo tape, send it off to record labels, and all that kind of thing? Um, well, they didn't really sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, focus on that um, on the course. They did focus on. Uh, the you know the business side of music, but they didn't really say this is the way you, sh- you should do it because um, you know sort of people using computers uh, as a, a day-to-day thing was just beginning to start, and the lecturers were fairly forward-thinking, and um, they knew that that whole demo tape thing was you know being left behind, so you know they didn't really see the point of kind of pushing us to do that because they kind of fore- foresaw that it was going. Wow, um, that, that, that's pretty crazy because like, I, I did music business and production around 2006 to 2010 and yeah. they, they kind of had that old style of thinking that you did have to send stuff off to labels and um, and I, I felt even at the time because obviously technology was changing and no one mm. could really predict how the music industry was going to be five years from then. I mean, you can kind mm. of predict it now in a way because of where technology's ended up but it just felt really old-fashioned to me then and it's um i guess it was to your benefit that they encouraged you with the uh the tribute thing as well because it was another one of those things that would have been unfairly looked down upon at the college yeah. I went to, right? but i was very very fortunate pablo because um nearly all the lecturers were very um experienced and very seasoned musicians themselves mm-hmm. um like the head of of the college um actually play guitar and maybe people don't remember they can look it up uh but it's a very famous um uh, theme tune to a tv program called shaft okay uh, oh really uh, oh. yeah and he was the guitarist on that with that funky guitar i don't know if people can hear i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and impersonate it um <laughs> Go on. but no. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Um, but anybody who, who's interested in this sort of thing, if you listen to um, the song 1984 by David Bowie, yeah. um, it's, it's right in there with that Shaft theme tune. It's the same vibe, it's the same funky rhythm and that kind of thing. And it was very much, um, I'm not entirely sure if I'm, what I'm about to say is accurate, but you know, shoot me down in flames if I'm wrong. But I think it was that kind of funky Philadelphia sound. Right. Um, and which you know he was in the, Bowie was in the states by then, and, and and that was a sort of passing fashion. Um, so anyway, coming back to the college, so they they you know it's like all these things, isn't it? If you've been down a sort of road for long enough, you begin to say, oh, I think I know what's going to happen next. Maybe, maybe I know. You know, but when you start out on a road, you don't really know what's up ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that they encouraged us to sort of use online stuff. 
what they but it's more a case of what they didn't do they just sort of didn't sort of say you should be doing demo tapes you should be in the old way it was a case of we know that's going we don't really know where it where we're going but we know there's no point in pushing that down your throat because we can sort of sense that that's that's you know becoming part of the past um so in fact, um, with, the, with the tribute scene, a lot of tributors will probably have gone through this. Some, some maybe not. But the way forward from you know, ground zero, as it were, from nothing, was to do showcases. Um, so you have an agent who would put on a night of all their acts, you know, in a place to an audience, that kind of thing. So you did showcases, no pay or anything. But yeah. so in some ways, it was kind of better because, you know, with the demo tape, it's a little bit setting free a homing pigeon isn't it you know it's kind of off it goes where's it going i don't know we hope it's going to go to the right place but who knows uh-huh. um whereas when you do a um a showcase then yes there's you know people who just come along for the entertainment but they, they invite lots of other promoters and agents and that kind of thing as well so you get to get known um in the business and then you know if they like what you've done next thing you know they say hey could you do the show could you do that gig can you do this that the other yeah, you know, and and so off you go. You start doing them, and if you do the do a good job, or you know you keep people happy in what you do, then you get a reputation, and then the reputation spreads, and then you get more work, and and that's the way it goes. Um, that said, you can never just sit back and think the work's going to roll in because you know it's such a competitive market, and people come and go so quickly, and uh, the the um, taste of public is so fickle. Um, that you, uh, which is not criticism, it's just you know, yeah. human nature, um, that um, you, know, you do uh, have to every day sort of look at what you're doing and look at your diary and that kind of thing and sort of say, well, okay, the people that know who've been giving me work, I haven't heard from them for a week or two. So you do the research, you find another agent, you maybe contact venues directly and that kind of thing. So it's a constant, constant, constant um, effort to find the work. You can never just sit back and just go, huh, I'm cool. You know, yeah. no problems. I'm going to be working until the day I die and I'm going to be, you know, that'll be fine. Um, it just doesn't work like that. So with, so. Um, with tribute bands in general, I know you say that they weren't as common back then, but was mm. it, um, even within the realms of Bowie, someone who, you know, is, um, yeah, pay tribute to a lot. Was it because you know, nineteen ninety seven, that mid nineties period of Bowie. Obviously, everyone knew he was a legend, but it was kind of mm. for him maybe wilderness ish years. You know what I mean? So like, was it kind of yeah. easy to like fill that gap in the market for? Because it wasn't like he was touring all the time either. So was there like an immediate demand as well for what you were doing? Um, well. Um... First of all, just to say, you call it his wilderness years, if you don't mind me saying. Wilderness-ish, um, compared, you know. Yeah, ish. I think, he was cro- I think he was making his way out of the woods yeah. at that point. Um, you know, his, if you want to look at it that way, his wilderness years probably began with, in 87 with the album Never Let Me Down. That's um, You know, although, although it was a, a huge, huge tour and a great commercial success, um, it was... It, you know, um, a lot of critics sort of were wondering, well, where's the where's the artist Bowie gone? This is just like Hall and Oates. You know, he looks like looks like that, the long head head one out of Hall and Oates. And <laughs> you know, this is what I, this is what I read. You know, um, and have read since. And um, and then of course uh, he then tried to reestablish his credentials with Tim Machine as a 
a, you know, a, an actual musician rather than just a sort of showman like Liberace or something. Yeah. Um, um, so there was that sort of period of time of, of I think, of him of introspection with himself and just sort of finding his way forward again. I think he was fairly cautious after Tim Machine with um, Black Tie, White Noise, um, which great great album, but again didn't quite do it because it sounded like it had just popped up from the 80s. Um, mm. And then, you know, he sort of, in a sense, went back to his... Yeah, and it's not exactly correct, but he went back in time to a successful time and he started working with Eno on the album Outside and sort of re-established his artistic credentials. Yeah. So um, when when I started in 97 was uh, about when uh, Earthling came out, but I was, I was listening, most, I was really blown away by the album Outside, uh, totally blown away. And um, that's what... Um, kind of on a creative not not a commercial job level but on a personal creative level got me fired up about him and in fact when i first started it i used to look like him with a sort of short spiky hair and little chin beard no really <laughs> uh, yeah yeah like the sort of earthling image um so you, you tried uh, to keep it modern boy at the time yeah yeah, yeah. and we were called initially space boy right <laughs> <laughs> uh, um because uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, every, it's different for everybody, isn't it, Pablo? I mean, you can never speak sort of generally. You can only speak about your own experience. But um, you know, there was a choice of two ways of going, really, to begin with. Just to begin, you've got to start with the point with you know, you haven't done it yet. You're just starting. So, what do you do? Do you sort of try to second guess what's going to be commercially successful out there in the tribute scene, mm. or you, do you just sort of, which you know could be really 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 demoralizing um or do you sort of say well i'm going to do what i really really like and if i like it then maybe that'll come across and people will get it you know and and then if 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 then i get paid for it well hey that's great yeah um you know so that i'm just something speaking for myself only i can't speak for anybody else so that's 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 kind of how it started and um I suppose what happened is is that uh, you know we were doing songs like Jump and, and a lot of ninety stuff and that kind of thing, and it was kind of okay. Uh, we had a hardcore uh, David Bowie fan base, you know, but but, but that was never going to pay the bills. You know what I mean? Um, it was the people that really really got Bowie and were you know lots of Bowie clones and that kind of thing in the audience. Um, so. And, and so then the, I just started hearing things like, you know, from, from bookers and agents saying, well, you know, if you did Ziggy Stardust and you did the Let's Dance guy, you know, you could get more work and you, there'd be more demand and that kind of thing. Mm. And again, it was one of those <clears throat> things where you have to sort of sit down and look at yourself, you know. So why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it because I love David Bowie and, you know, I, I really love this period of music, the 90s. But it doesn't pay the bills, does it? You know, love doesn't pay the bills. And, um, and so... Um, yeah, I thought, well, yeah, okay, okay. It was just like a shrug of the shoulders kind of thing, you know. Yeah, okay, that's what I'll do then. If that's what people want, and at the end of the day, you know, you're in, in, in entertainment, and you don't get paid if you don't give people what they want. Um, so that's how I then. Then so it's after about eighteen months, I changed the name to the Bow Experience. Mm. Lots of lots of thinkings about what could the name possibly be, and by this time I had a band as well, and. Um, and uh, it was actually the bass player at the time just looked at me and said, keep it simple, stupid. The Bowie experience. You know, I was coming up with things like, you know, um, 
Bowie-esque and, you know, <laughs> you know, all this sort of pretentious work. You know, just, just keep it simple, man. Bowie experience. Oh, all right then. Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't like it at the time, but I've grown to like it. Um, do you think... And interestingly, interestingly, yeah. I think you, you can almost put your, you can almost date tributes um, by their name because we were called Bowie, uh, were and are called the Bowie experience. And about that same time, lots of other tributes to other you know, big acts have been around for a long time. Mm. They were the something experience, <laughs> the something experience. And it's sort of after the first raft, if you like, of, of tributors, then you then get other names. You know, yeah, they're like, a lot more punny now, you know. A lot more cunning. No, punny. Uh, but I know or punny. punny. Yeah, punny isn't a word probably, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, but we'll, 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 we'll have it. We'll, I like the word, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> Punesque. Oh, 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 that was good. That, that, the, the old hair, the hair on the back of the neck, that was. That was really good. Pan-esque. Pan-esque. <laughs> Fantastic. So with, because um, I could be wrong as well, but my, because uh, I love Bowie, but he kind of um, certainly seemed to go through periods where he didn't like to acknowledge his past too much. Um, mm. You know, especially like within set lists. And so I remember seeing an um, interview for uh, with Jonathan Ross for the reality tour, and yeah. um, Jonathan Ross was like, "Are you going to play all the old hits?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, I might play something off Even." <laughs> and, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that interview as well. So, you did, yeah. was there even a, a a bit of a gap that you could fill that even David Bowie himself wasn't filling at the time? Um, or what, I mean, well, was that go- even a conscious thing? Or? My... No. Well, let's first of all address your first point, which mm-hmm. is that uh, he had a resistance to playing older stuff. Um, you know, um, the past is a bit like gravity, I think. Um, mm. You know, it, 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 because the past has occurred um, and the future, of course, is unknown and the present is so fraught, um, it's a safe place, isn't it, the past? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but it, it kind of pulls you down, uh, you know, it stops you from sort of making the effort to stretch yourself into the future and imagine a future if your mind is on the past all the time and you're, and you're repeating what you've done in the past all the time. And so I think um, with regards to David, who, uh, you know, was, was an artist, one of the few artists in, in popular music, um, as with all artists, they want to rip up what they've done before and try a new medium, try a new way of doing things because um, a, a true artist is never satisfied. Um, so I think it was a case of um, you have to make the conscious effort to kind of pull against the gravity of nostalgia, uh, which means saying, no, I'm not going to do Ziggy Stardust. No, I'm not going to do Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you will just stay in the past. And, and, of course, that would stifle your creativity. So I don't think it was in any way... Um, uh, I, I, I can't think of the word, but it came from a bad place within him. It was just more a desire of a personal desire to... You know, to move forward as, uh, for as long as he could, as long as you know. I mean, in the end, he did kind of let the past kind of like a piece of elastic snap him back again. Um, in the latter years of his career, uh, like on the reality tour and stuff, he did a lot of old stuff. Yeah. Um, but he put new spins but, on them, though. Right. Sorry. Yes, he did. Absolutely. There's a wonderful version that he, of, um, although it was reality tour, he's a wonderful version of um, the man who sold the world. He did on um, yeah. uh, the George Holland show. Um, so yeah, he did play around with them, um, which you know, it's David Bowie. You expect him to, wouldn't you? Well, that, that um, was, I was going to say, there's not many artists, certainly of that level, who could get away with doing that with much loved hits and it be accepted, <coughs> sort of thing. 
Like I'm like mm. I guess if you're gonna go to like a Bowie gig or something like that, you I guess we're fine with the fact that some of your favorite songs may not be played, sort of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it just it, it just again it spoke to the the artist that he was, um, and it must have been like sort of for you because I, I you one thing I love about the Bowie experience is that you don't just do the hit. I mean, you do the hits. But you do the new hits as well, like you mm. do Black Star and um, all of the new stuff, and that has to yeah. be like really exciting for you. Like, is it kind of when something new came out? Was it like you called the band and you're right, right? Come on, let's get in the studio or in the rehearsal room and mm. rehearse it. But yeah, well, I mean, whenever um, you know, whether whether it was something off of reality, because you remember, started in '97, so yeah. whether it's reality or, or off of um, the next day or off of Black Star, uh, the way that we work is, um, yeah, I'm very, uh, you know, bands are relationships as well, and uh, the, the kind of relationship we have in the band is that um, they sort of, they, how can I put it? Most of the, band, the musicians of the band. I'm always a little bit doubtful about my ideas, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to put it politely. Um, they do use stronger language sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but then again, at the same time, you know, um, they record, because, again, going back to when you start, you know, you have to do a lot of solo stuff. You have to do, you know, the backing tracks. Um, and you play a lot of places you really would rather not be playing to people you'd really not share the same oxygen with, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think... You know, and, they're, and they're all very sort of experienced musicians themselves. So I think, number one, they respected the fact that, you know, I got my nose to the ground and got on with it. Um, and also the fact that there's been this uh, unbroken, you know, period of time that I've been doing it. So this is kind of, uh, and please, you know, don't don't think that I know what I'm doing, although or I think what I'm doing is right, but... Um, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. They said, how do I make decisions about what we're going to do? And I say, well, you think about it rationally to begin with, and you sort of turn it over in your mind. And, at the end of the, and then after doing all that, in a rather exhausted state, you just go, I just think I'll just follow my gut. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I've just done. Um, and, you know, most of the time it's worked. Sometimes, it has to be honest, it hasn't. Um, so... I, I would just simply sort of call, uh, what, email or whatever the band and just say, hey, listen, we're going to do Lazarus. Uh, you know, as soon as it came out, as soon as it was out, you know, we're going to do Lazarus. Uh, oh, are we? Yes. <laughs> and when do you want to do it? <clears throat> well, we're doing it in five days' time. Are we? Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're like, are you sure people are going to want Lazarus? And I said, yes, they are. How do you know that? I don't know. I just know, uh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, so we don't rehearse. We don't, we rarely actually get together to rehearse. Um, as they're all so experienced. We make sure that we're all working from the same version, uh, same key. That's the other. Everybody writes out their parts. They're all readers and writers. And then, uh, when there's a new song, when we pitch up for for a gig or a show, uh, we use the new song as the soundcheck song, Smart. and that's the only time it gets rehearsed. Uh-huh. So it, with, uh, with um, the uh, the fifth of August gig at the Cleany, have you hmm. ever done a gig like this before, with um, doing an album in full with some rare material? Um, well, not exactly that combination. I mean, in in 2012, um, <clears throat> I we taught the Ziggy Stardust album 
um, because it was the 40th anniversary yeah. of Ziggy Stardust. So we, we, we toured that, um, and then in the second set, we just sort of did all the other hits. Um, <clears throat> I've done, on a solo level, uh, a few, um, you know, rare, uh, rare, rare tracks gigs on a solo level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been advertised as such. Um, and it's kind of good. Kind of good. Um, the audience is a lot smaller, but it was a little bit more like going back to, you know, for, for, for all the wonderful places like the Clooney, the larger places that you play with your band, which, you know, it's fantastic. It's, it, for all musicians, it's nice occasionally just to get back to sort of square one and just play in front of a small audience that, you know, you can actually have a laugh with and talk to, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's quite chill and relaxed and you're sort of all sort of enjoying the thing together. Um I mean, witness Paul McCartney recently um, when he went off to Liverpool, didn't he? In that carpool thing, whatever it is. I don't watch yeah, it, but oh, whatever it, it is. Wonderful, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and he did a, he did a little gig in a in a club or a pub, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah it was great. Yeah, it, did he have to do that? No. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to. Because you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's kind of all about. It's all about communication and people. Um, so, yeah, not exactly this combination, but variations of. So I'm quite interested to see how that works out i'm very excited so with is there like a maybe an unwritten rule within the bowie experience that no song is off limits um no song is off limits it's whether it's doable or not um you know it's um you know what we don't do and never have done and never will unlike (laughs) unlike some we never use backing tracks oh okay okay Okay. Oh, wait, so yeah, the, the first time I saw you, sorry to interrupt, but the first time I saw you play no, was no problem. Uh, World Headquarters, and yeah. um, you opened up with Atlantic Scene, and I was just like, right, sold. Like to start with, an ambitious track like that, um, yeah, and not the most obvious track to start with as well. I was just like, incredible. That was uh, that immediately blew me away. But, oh, thank you, Pablo. Um, um, yeah, I, I completely yeah, so- interrupted you there, so. <laughs> No, 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 this is all right. We're having a chat, man. This is what it's all about. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, if it's doable, uh, with everything being played live, we'll have a go at it. Um, uh, there's some tracks, especially from around um, Earthling, which um, so much of the music that we're hearing is is programmed and sourced digi- digitally. Yeah. Um, you can kind of get around it, but to replicate it exactly... In, you know, if you're not if you're not going to use machines, in, you know, as a catch-all word, it's going to be a bit tricky. Um, yeah, I was going to so say, nothing... so even if the even if the track did have specifically programmed stuff, yeah, you would aim to reproduce it live with the musicians. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the 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 um, it's just a working title at the moment, Pablo. But um, the the um, set of songs that are rarely played live by anybody. Um, we're just calling as a working title rare, in other words, rarely heard, you know. Ah. And um, we've we've got more um, songs in that list than we have time to perform uh, on, on the second part on on Sunday the fifth. Um, but one of the ones we're not performing because we're still working on it. But we have done it before, but we want to do it better. Um, is is actually off the Earthling album. Um, it's seven years in Tibet. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not going to be doing that one on uh, um, 
uh, on the fifth, mm-hmm. as I said, because we need to work on it a bit more. So and we don't, you know, what you you got to feel confident. We we don't go out and do songs. We think we think we've got it, yeah, but we never do that. We never do yeah. that. Yeah, you know, we have to be, you know, because it's for everybody's sake that you do it right. Um, and I know people can be forgiving to, if you make this mistake, that mistake, but the odd note mistake on guitar, you know, slight slight bum note here and there is kind of you can let that ride but if it just kind of falls to pieces because <laughs> because you haven't worked you know you haven't quite got to where you should get to, to do it properly see what, well, you, then what, people, what you do then is you, you just point the microphone at the audience and get them to sing it uh, well pablo you could do that <laughs> but then you become a, a, um, a, a kind of act which i really despise oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing I can't stand is, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but there is a tribute act out there. I'm not even going to say who they're a tribute to, but um, <clears throat> the singer can't reach certain notes in a certain song. So instead of, to try, instead of getting some singing lessons, they uh, stick the microphone out into the audience and let the audience shout it. And I just think, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, no. I played, it was, it was ridiculous, but I mimed keyboards once for a Tina Turner tribute band. Um, <laughs> right. It was so, it was just ridiculous. Like, she could sing, uh, but the, yeah. the whole band mimed. There wasn't an even drum kit on stage, but I think everyone was too drunk to even question the logic of the entire thing. Like, the leads were coming out of the guitar, but were just placed behind the curtains and stuff like that and um it, it was but the thing is it was at uh i think it was at haven or something like that so there were like several venues with uh different bands tribute bands playing and uh, right. we, we did our set and it, it went down well because everyone was just drunk and uh and we went to watch <laughs> the other bands and the the competitiveness between like there was nothing i'm not saying that you do this but like at all but like it was just oh god look what she's wearing i wouldn't wear that on stage and just like oh he's playing that bad and stuff like that like the oh god yeah just the insecurity it's like have you not from yourself but have you encountered that Mm. from other acts like uh, maybe sort of like um maybe a bit jealous like you're doing it so well <clears throat> um, without ensuing uh, uh, a lawsuit here? Uh. Yeah, well... Um, <laughs> it's a competitive I, market, well, put it that way. Say that again, please, Pablo. It's a competitive market, I guess. Right. It's a competitive market. Um, uh, how can I put this? Um, another thing I've kind of learned... <laughs> another thing I've learned... Oh, I didn't realise. No, another thing I've learned is... Um, <laughs> that um it can be interesting to hear what people say mm-hmm. um and 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 maybe occasionally your own opinion is worth mentioning maybe um mm-hmm. but one thing i have learned is that um much like bowie himself really uh just keep your head down yeah. you know um don't get involved in in the soap opera don't get involved in the, in the kind of bitchiness and and criticism and that kind of thing if you you know if if you feel that someone could have done something better or they've they, maybe maybe even the way they do it embarrasses you okay fine just you know it, it, an old old derbyshire woman once said to me many years ago <laughs> <laughs> um you know she she said if you can't say anything, if you can't say anything nice don't say anything, anything at all we've all heard that saying yeah uh, and, and it, it, it's worth remembering you know um because it's an art and there's lots of different types of people doing it and lots of people doing it for all sorts of motiv- motivational reasons and everyone's carrying their own story of you know, of joy and problems and so you know the thing is to uh, and it can be difficult 
sometimes you just want to blurt out, like, my God, what are you wearing, man? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you just, just kind of look and go, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really great. And then go off about about your business, you know? Yeah. On on the other side of that, because um, I have a friend who uh, plays for a Guns N' Roses tribute band, and um, yeah. he said that the fans, some of them, can be so not not bitchy, but like sort of they will take notice on where they put their fingers for like a guitar solo. If they <laughs> if they do it on a different fret than how like yeah. Slash did it, that will get pointed out and stuff like that. Have you ever had like the really really hardcore? You know. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. You get you get those all the time, but um, <clears throat> those people are like that with anything, aren't they? You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the important thing is 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 not to take too seriously, even though they, they can be very often quite animated, and even as you say, to the point of anger. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to give you an example, give you an example, right? I mean, I just got into this habit, and I don't know why. In space oddity and in the lyric. Um, uh, ground control to major tom your your circuit's dead there's something wrong mm-hmm. and i used to sing your target okay right I, my, my, my mouth just got into a habit of doing it even though i knew it was wrong <laughs> and some people like it's not fucking excuse excuse me i don't know i'm allowed to swear yeah it's not fucking target it's fucking circuit get it right you <laughs> fucking wanker <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and you just kind of go well what you're saying isn't the important thing the important thing is just that you've got anger <laughs> anger management issues <laughs> and you're obviously one of those you're probably a Virgo you know uh, we all know what they're like um, you know, picking away every little bloody detail um, and you just kind of gonna give them a smile and go yeah I know you're right I'm a twit sorry about that mate I'll try better next time you know um, because they like it those people are like that with everything and anything aren't they you know it's not your problem it's their problem <laughs> um you know, you're just another, you know, you're just another bag of flesh walking around trying to trying to do the best you can, um, and providing you're you're sincerely, if you're sincerely trying to do the best you can, and what you're doing is coming from a good place, a place of respect and admiration. Yeah. Um, people get that. Um, it's when acts do it for cynical reasons. Either it's because they think they're going to make money out of it or because they're doing it to boost their own ego, you know, look at me. Um, you know, one, one of the, I've been interviewed by a lot of people, and they, sometimes I'm asked the question, what advice would you give to anybody thinking of starting a tribute? And uh, my stock response is, well, if you want to see your own name up in lights, don't do a tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's about you, don't do a tribute, because it's never going to be about you. It's always going to be about the person you're tributing. Um, and it would be lovely if you do it well, and it would be lovely if people say, you do that really well. Yeah, that's, it's, that's lovely, but that's, you know, that's it. You're not David Bowie, you're not Mick Jagger, you're not Madonna, whoever it might be. Get used to that to begin with. If you don't, if you don't get that sorted in your psyche right from the start, you're going to have problems. Do, do you find sometimes that you're glad that you're not trying to be Mick Jagger? <laughs> What? Uh, do you find sometimes you're glad that you're trying not to be Mick Jagger because like that would uh... oh I'd hate, I'd hate to try and be Mick Jagger in fact I know a guy who does Mick Jagger and he oh. does it really 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 he does it really really well but sometimes I, I do worry about his spine occasionally you know what I mean? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gotten up with like a, a Freddie tribute act or a Mick tribute act to sort of do Dancing in the Street or Under Pressure or anything well uh, <clears throat> um, 
not with the, the the gigging band, which is going to be at the Clooney, but we we're on a theatre tour as well, where because uh, the band that we'll be presenting at the Clooney is a five piece, and yeah. um, when we do the theatre tour, it's an eight piece, and we do do under pressure in that, and there's oh, um, wonderful. There's we don't do it, but we don't we won't be doing it at the Clooney, mm-hmm. um, uh, because. Um, <clears throat> It's a great band because uh, it's all different ages and different genders. And, uh, for example, we have three women in the band. Uh, One, Lydia on bass, who will be at the Clooney. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, Emily, who's on saxophones and things like that. She won't be. She's like, you know, part of the theatre. And then we have a woman called Charlotte who does all sorts of things. And and we do Under Pressure together. She takes Freddie's part. Um, so we do do it that way. Uh, funny enough, actually, uh, the Mick Jagger I know on the theatre show did join us a couple of occasions to do Dancing in the Street. He obviously <laughs> took the Jagger Jagger part. Um, did you do the dancing? The part- did you actually dance and kick your legs and everything? Uh. Oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah. got to do it. Got to, yeah, waggle your waggle your ass at the uh, well, not at the camera, but at the audience. Yeah, you know, just like they did. Do the old hand thing, pressing the pressing the sprite down into the earth again. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we did we did all that. You know, I, I take very seriously what I do because you know it's what I do. But once you get onto the stage, um, if it's a fun song, have fun. Yeah, you know, if it's a deep and meaningful song with with strong emotions, or it's emotive, or makes people thoughtful, well, then be like that. You know, um, you have to take every song individually and try to give it expression. You, uh, and this is where I'm saying people who appear to be doing it for themselves, they just kind of do every song in the same way. You know, yeah, yeah. because they're they're trying to get attention placed on themselves rather than on what they're doing. Um, and, and the thing so, is, though, it, I, I can understand why it would be very easy to do that, but like when mm. when everyone comes and sees the Bowie experience, the, the fact yep. that you know um, your voice changes to which era of Bowie as well. It's not like you're singing it just the same way or anything like that. Um, and the fact that you have the costume changes and everything, it's it's mm. it's amazing stuff. Like um, I was gonna. Okay, I'll make a cut because I was going to ask something, but I completely forgot. Um, oh no! I know, terrible. Um, <laughs> it, well, so, I always say if it if thought's worth it, it will be going a big circle and come back again. Th- this is true. Um, so, obviously, I mean, it was devastating the day that uh, Bowie died, um, mm. and it was a complete shock as well. Because I mean, it, even though we saw like the pictures and everything right before he passed away, there was really nothing out there, was there? Like there was no indication. No, it was it was um, it was it was uh, an unusual time, wasn't it? I, I it, again, you know, I've always tried to keep keep out of the kind of maelstrom of the chatter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, coming back to you know, keep keep your head down and just get on with your job, you know. Um, and I was reading all kinds of things, uh, sort of between. Uh, between when he he, he cut short the, the reality tour yeah. because of you know of his illness and and, and up until um, uh, the next day and <clears throat> certainly people were saying oh David Bowie's retired you know yeah and I used to read these things and I, I as I said I didn't get involved um, but I used to just think uh, what evidence have you got of that yeah <laughs> there is no evidence that he's retired we're talking about David Bowie he'll do what he wants when he wants to do it for the reasons that he wants to do it, you know, uh, you, you get, get a grip. This is David Bowie. This is not Rod Stewart or Elton John, you know, just get a grip guys. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I never thought he'd retired, number one, um, uh, because uh, it's just not David Bowie. You know, he, 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 in a sense, he, he never had a career where he could retire from. It was just he was just David Bowie, and he did what he did when he wanted to do it. You know, he didn't follow the same path as everyone else. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> when it came to his his illness, and uh, obviously that ultimately um, did for him, um, <clears throat> um, I, it was a huge shock uh, to hear the news that he had, had died. Um, <clears throat> but um, I knew that he was seriously unwell. Um, right. Okay. So it was a shock, but not a surprise. People can pick those two things apart. It was a shock. It's a bit like a, a loved relative, you know, that got some kind of terminal illness. Uh, so you know they're on the way out, yeah. right? And when they go, it's not a surprise because you knew they were on the way out. But the shock of them going is a quite is, is like an impact, isn't it? It hits you. Um, it's an emotional punch. Yeah. Um, so. That's what I would say about that. That it was yes, it was a shock, but no surprise. Um, um, and you know, for those of us who are proper 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 fans, you know, those of us who are proper fans, um, we had a love a love for him of a sort, whatever it might be. It's personal to everybody else. And, um, <clears throat> and in fact, on the you know, just touching on that, on the blurb that I I've written some of the blurb for the brochure that goes at the theatre tour. And at the end of my bit of blurb, you know, I put a sort of chameleon, comedian, Corinthian or caricature in with a question mark and say, well, that's entirely up to you, because after all, he is your David Bowie. Ah, that's beautiful. You know, and that is the point, isn't it, about David Bowie, that for most of us, we felt he was, you know, Pablo, Pablo felt it was Bowie was his. Yeah. Lawrence felt that he Lawrence felt that David was his and, and, and whoever else. And everybody, you know. The, the amount of people that I met over the years who basically get either clearly said or gave the impression that uh, nobody understands David Bowie like me. You, the people would say to me, you know, or, or give the impression that's what they thought. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Bowie, Bowie, whilst obviously appealing to a lot of people, millions of people, managed to somehow make each person feel that uh, they had a special relationship with him yeah. um, that nobody else experienced. Um, let's not bother going into whether that's true or not. That's the way people felt, and that's 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 fine. It, feelings are important, you know. Um, so I think I've kind of answered what you asked me, really, haven't I? Yeah. Well, yeah. But I, I don't. I'm not very good at asking questions. I shouldn't really have. A and I'm not very good at answering because I tend to ramble. <laughs> no, same here. Um, so yeah, um, a couple of final questions. Um, when when David Bowie passed away, did that yep. change the the dynamic of your band or how you were going to present yourselves going forward? And I, I'm guessing demand obviously went up as well, um, because I, I guess there may have been a lot of people who maybe thought, "Oh, you'll tour again, it's fine," you know. Um, mm. And now, you know, people will get what they can, or you know, mm. you know, will take what they can get in terms of like you know tribute bands and. Um, yeah. the releases that will be coming out for years, I'm sure, of unreleased demos and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so did, yeah. did all of that change like the, as soon as it passed away? Um, and not saying that change. you were trying to like capitalise on it, it just you couldn't help. No. You know, it's just... The... Well, I mean, I think, I think from my conversation, people should realise that I never capitalised on it because I started yeah. like many, many, many years before he died. So, yeah. so um, you know, it, it, it was... Um, 
it's, it's going to sound like I'm sort of not giving it the importance that uh, it deserves, but I, I don't mean it this way. But for me, it was another event in 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 my career relationship with David. Mm-hmm. Um, having already been doing it for <clears throat> you know since '97, um, and sort of gone along with the ups and downs with him, <laughs> as it were, um, it was another rather big bump in the road. Um, for me personally and for, for the band it didn't really kind of change our way of doing things we of course included black star and lazarus into the set uh for the foot but i was very very clear um i was very very clear with with the band uh that we would only do uh habitually you know every single gig that we did we would only do lazarus and black star for six months Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't mean to say we wouldn't do it at all later on, but we, you know, they would only be a permanent part of the set list for six months um, because <clears throat> um, there was there was a severe danger of 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 of, of um, sort of stoking the fire of misery, as it were. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, the thing about David Bowie is is that um, uh, if he sent us a message at all, it was you're alive you know, and live and live with joy, you know, um, and enjoy life and everything is because it's not going to last forever lads. Um, and so, you know, for me, that's the central point about David It's it's, um, it's, it's the, it's the act, the actual act of being alive, of living. Um, that's the most important thing along with all its ups and downs, you know, it's not all joy. I mean, as a song, as his songs, quite clearly point out and as as we all know from our experiences um so I, I suppose the big difference was actually people got more sensitive audiences got more sensitive because a lot of people would be turning up you know on the edge of edge of sort of emotional collapse uh because you know david had gone and um so i think a lot, there were a lot more people who um were ready to be disappointed right um, or ex- or expecting to be disappointed mm-hmm. because they're already in such an emotion they're in an emotional place where that really what they wanted to do is you know sort of cut up in a corner and have have their head stroked you know you know what I'm saying yeah um, that's kind of where they were emotionally and they wanted comforting and they wanted reassurance and and that sort of thing which I still see online you know or maybe he's not actually dead maybe he's going to return to earth you know <laughs> as if he's as if he's sort of you know something some kind of messiah um <clears throat> um so i would say i would say that people got more sensitive and there were more um uh, i wouldn't say that i or we received more criticisms but you could tell that the atmospheres were far more i think there might be word might be febrile i'm not entirely sure i like the word i'm not sure that's, that's appropriate but um i do like the word let's use it anyway and um yeah just a little bit more on edge yeah. So, but to be honest with you, I kind of liked it um, because, you know, like I told you before, we don't rehearse songs. Mm-hmm. And one of the many reasons for that is because if you rehearse something, or put it another way, if something's under-rehearsed, there's an edge, there's a nervous edge, yeah. which gives really gives the song life. And there was a similar feeling shortly after he died when we go out and do things like Blackstone, that kind of thing. That was right on the edge you know, on an emotional edge, on a knife edge. Yeah. And that was kind of, 
it's going to sound a little bit. Uh, well, I can't think. Yeah, I can't think. Um, uh, uh, anyway, it's going to sound a bit strange. Um, but I kind of enjoyed that emotional life edge. Uh, you know, can you actually pull this off? Can you kind of keep it teetering on that knife edge without it sort of either falling into the to one side into an emotional turmoil, or to the other side into a kind of cocky look what we can do kind of attitude? You know. Yeah. Um, well, do you feel so? Sorry. No, well, so I mean, when we did Black Star and Lazarus, that kind of thing. Um, it all comes back to you know what's your intention and where's it all coming from i love david bowie yeah and so when we when we did lazarus and black star i mean i saw a review of, of when we did um some gig and we'd done lazarus and, and, and I, i've seen this person knocking about in like bowie fan sites and stuff and he said when i saw the bowie experience he said that, uh, and when they did lazarus he said it was absolutely scintillating he said it was just totally mind-blowing you know and i'm not trying to big myself up no no but i would no. say I would say the reason is that is because I performed it the way I would want it to be formed if I was in the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was doing it for I was doing it for the me who was in the audience, not for the me that was on stage. You see my point? Yeah, absolutely. And did you feel that there's more uh, that there's more of a responsibility now to represent him as well as you can, maybe more than before when he was you know still alive and he could kind of do it for himself. Hmm. Well, I don't think it's more responsibility. I just think, uh, as I said before, that um, uh, people's emotions are raw, and they still are. Um, And you have to expect some strong reactions, Mm -hmm. uh, both positive and negative. Um, But, again, you know, you you can't really spend your time listening to that too much. Um, uh, I mean, in a theatre show, for example, it's billed as a celebration. And you know, I, I want to sort of pull this back slightly because I do feel this conversation is going, heading towards a, a, a rather sort of uh, melancholic place. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, yeah, we will end on... It's not all doom. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't mind melancholia. And in fact, I love melancholia. I think it's a, a, an absolutely delicious a, a feeling. Um, and David Bowie was the master of melancholia, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's a great thing. But when we're talking about David Bowie, I think it's it's important to keep on emphasising um, that you know that he 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 was the way he was because he was he seems to me anyway that he was very aware of the fact that um, uh, you know that of each moment in life. You know, not to waste a moment. That life is precious, and and you should get on and do something, and and you should try to sort of dig deep into yourself, and you should read a lot, and you should try and get educated, and you should try to express yourself in the most intelligent way you can find, and, and that sort of thing. And that's to me what David Bowie's about. He's not about, um, it's not about distress, and upset, and depression. Um, it's about exploring the rich tapestry of of the human experience, and that's what I. You know, that's what it's all about to me. That's what I try to get across. And I want us to celebrate that. And, 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 and yeah, you know, link arms, whatever, and have a bit of a tear if you want. But, you know, just be thankful that we were, you know, we've, we've been fortunate enough to, to experience the, 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 the state of mind, the attitude, the creativity, the talent and the hard work of some, someone that, that we feel um, enhanced our lives so much. 
Um, that's a that's a great place to end it. Um, the David Bowie Experience will be playing uh, Saturday the 4th of August and the 5th of August, both at the Clooney, but you're touring all over the place and you've just finished a theatre tour. So is this it? Oh, for... no, no, it's ongoing. No, oh, it's no, ongoing? No, it's ongoing. Um... Oh, yeah, 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 no, it's ongoing. And I just want to, if we've got the time, I just want to explain that briefly because, I've again, just to, to, to avert any um, criticism, um, I started to negotiate and to plan the theatre tour two years before David Bowie died. Hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't a capitalisation on his death. I was already. It was going to happen whether he died or not. Okay, because um, the first show of the theatre tour was May the first, sixteen, hmm. shortly after he died. And of course, people saw that as oh, they're capitalising on his death. No, we started planning it two years before. So you know. Please, please just. Oh yeah, yeah. and and I, I didn't know that, and I wouldn't, I would never have thought. I, I just think. Oh, I'm if, not saying you were Pablo because yeah. you're, you're a nice, you're a nice seller, but you know, some some people just have a knee jerk reaction, don't they? And I just yeah. wanted to point that anybody that's listened to your podcast, you know, I, I, I just want to explain that to them that please don't, please, please don't think we were just sort of capitalising this death, and the theatre show is ongoing. I mean, it's it's never ending, you know, until people want it to end. If you see my point. Yeah. Um, I'm on the. I write the thing, and and I'm on the second rewrite, and I'm rewriting it next year, um, to to try to again to try to be creative myself, and 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 take the whole concept of a tribute act in a theatre to another place again. I'm not going to tell you what my plans are, but I know that nobody else is doing it this way, whoever they're tributing. Yeah, it is It is interesting. Um, it's a lot of hard work and deep thought to try and work out exactly how I'm going to uh, make this actually happen for real on stage. Mm. Um, but again, coming back to what I said before, my gut instinct is that's where we've got to go. You know, but we're, we're going there. I don't know why, but we've got to go there. Um, and, well, you're uh, certainly the best tribute act for any artist uh, I've ever seen. Um, Thanks, Pablo. And You're very, very, very nice. There is footage. Uh, there's a great trailer on the Theatre Royal website, which I'm sure is connected probably to your website or to YouTube, and I'll post all the links below. But it gives you a, an entire sort of uh, idea of what uh, the David Bowie experience is about and how scarily you look like him. Um, <laughs> You know. uh, oh, I scare myself every morning when I get up, man. When I look in the mirror, I go, "Fuck me, it's David Bowie." No. <laughs> Depending on what <laughs> shape your hair's in when you wake up. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I don't look like David Bowie, Pablo. It's, it's, it's. Um, no, I in don't. the back row. No, you do. It's um, with the costumes and everything and the makeup. It's. Uh, it's some... Well, there you go. You see, you, you just. You it's just all costumes and makeup. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 again, you know, uh, what one says. Remember, guys, whatever, whatever, whoever you're tributing, you're not the cargo. You're the vehicle for the cargo. There you go. Stick that in your pipe and, and smoke t- it. Two very quick questions. Um, so, were you were you glad that David Bowie never had a fat uh, period because you would have had to? Like... <laughs> 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 Excuse me, sorry, that's hilarious. Um, of course. The answer is, of course. Um, uh, very, very pleased, you know, for everybody, really. Because <laughs> um, you can't really um, do it with, like, an Elvis thing. That's kind of like, that would just seem like mocking him if you just put on a fat suit for, like, the second half of the gig. Yeah, yeah well, I think it would be. I think it would be mocking. Quite justifiably, people would think so, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and the other, the other thing I, 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 I've often thought is, what kind of career would it have been if he'd, he'd gone bald by the time he was 30? Yeah. Oh, you know, because... Would you have done it? Would you have done it? Would you have... Would what? Would you have cut your hair? Well, what I'm trying to say is what kind of career would have he have had? Oh, OK, OK. 
you know, because uh, let's face it, along with the, the, the beautiful, wonderful creations that he made, um, there was also a strong element of hair and teeth, wasn't there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Rod Stewart once. Um, oh no, I don't think it was even about Bowie, but he said that him, uh, Freddie Mercury, and Elton John were going to have a band called Teeth, Nose, and Hair. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He, he put his finger on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This is it, isn't it? If you, if you see someone who, who who might be um a little bit lacking in the looks stake, but if they've got a nice nice barnet and mm-hmm. a, and a grin with some some lovely pearly whites, they're attractive, <laughs> aren't they? There's something there's something basic and primordial about that. That's you know, it, it's an animal thing, isn't it? It's about the, the you know the, the fangs and the mane of a lion. You know, <laughs> um, and, it, it is, isn't it? It's primordial, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, that, that will take you a long way. I've got friends who uh, look awful but get by on the hair. So yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and starting at the time that you started as well, how close did you ever get to doing stars in the eyes? Was that ever a consideration? No, no. What did you think of Boy George doing it when he did it that time? <sighs> we'll leave it. There. Uh... <laughs> Uh, let me uh, let me put it this way. I, I think it wasn't his best career decision. Okay. <clears throat> um, I don't really think. No, I just I don't I don't. To be honest, Pablo, I didn't even have enough time in my life to give it any thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, well, all right then, if that's what you want to do. But please, you know, really, it might be better if you didn't. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know, your boy George, do what you want, man. You know, yeah, this is see what you want. If you think it's okay and other people like it, who am I to who am I to criticise? I'm no one to criticise. But for me, no, mm. I, I've got better things to do. I've got to paint a paint a piece of wood. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and on on that note, um, Lawrence, thank you for doing this because I know it's been a bit of a pain on my end to try and. Uh, Organise this. I've not been great. You got a pain on your end. Well, oh my god! Well, He's well, a dear doctor, well. Pablo. I'll um, we'll not go further into that because I don't want to give too much away. But um, no, 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 no. You can't give everything away. Nah. Did you see what I did there? Yes, I did. <laughs> Thank you see, very and, much. Thank you very and, much. Uh, yeah, see, it, uh, you're going to get music. You're going to get humour. You're going to get someone who kind of a lot looks like David Bowie if you squint your eyes in the background. Um, no, I'm just, and he does <laughs> actually really look like David Bowie. Scary. Um, Close your eyes and you'll think you're there. That's the thing. But then if, if everyone closed their eyes, then you wouldn't have to spend all the money on the stage show. Well, well yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think my keyboard players, well, it's in response to someone saying something like, um, uh, was it, they, you, 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 they say, some idiot says something like, oh, you look just like David Bowie and you sound even better. And my keyboard player turned around and said to them, he said, I said, well, if that was true, David Bowie would have retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just send his own army of David Bowies out there to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I oh, wouldn't have been, uh, that, you know, oh, wouldn't that have been, it's the sort of thing you could have imagined him doing, wouldn't it? The David Bowie yeah. franchise, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine that, uh, David Bowie um, announces a world tour, right? And da 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 da, playing Shea Stadium or whatever it might be, all these big places, da 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 da. And at the last minute, they get told that actually the real David Bowie's not going to turn up, but there's going to be like 20, 20 David Bowie tributes <laughs> all, all doing the concerts simultaneously around the world. Yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a dwarf one, there'll be a, a black guy, there'll be a Chinese guy. Just <laughs> brilliant. Love it. I'm um, sure. I'm sure th- I'm sure that's something that would have really tickled him if he, if, if he, if he, you know, had the, the sort of right time and place to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, well, Lawrence, I'll not, I'll not keep you any longer because I know you, you're 
probably doing far more busier things than I am today. So, uh, apart from this interview, of course. Um, so, of course, the most important thing, you, my priority for today, for today. Wonderful. So, yes, everyone come along to the Clooney Sunday the 5th of August and Saturday the 4th of August because uh, it. it will be the best thing that you've done all summer, I guarantee and, and just, I'm really looking forward to coming back. Uh, really, really enjoy our, our, ourselves there. The audiences and the people are really supportive and really lovely to us. So, um, we're really looking forward to it as well. Wonderful. Okay, well, thank you very much, and uh, let's do part two at some point. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. Know, I, I don't know what else we call me any. Hey, man, you know, get in touch any time you like. I love having a chat, you know. You know I've got nothing better to do, just watching the grass <laughs> grow, you know. Well, I like to think that you're just lounging about at home in your jumpsuit. With a yeah, I, I, exactly. That's what I do all day long. I just lounge about in a, in a dress playing cards. <laughs> And and, and and every and, and, and frequently absent mindedly dropping them on the floor, you know, that's that's kind of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a great image. Okay, well again, because I'm dragging this on now. Uh, Lawrence, thank you very much and we'll <laughs> we'll talk again soon. <laughs>
That was Dribs and Drabs by Meiosis, great Newcastle singer-songwriter. He has a band, and they will be supporting the David Bowie, uh, the Bowie experience. I did, I said I wouldn't mess that up. I did actually mess it up at the start of the interview with Lawrence as well. It's the Bowie experience, not the David Bowie experience. And... Um, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a very fun night. I think they're playing both nights, and they play all around Newcastle, all around the North East, so do check out Meiosis when you get the chance. Martin Thompson, the man behind Meiosis, will be my guest on next week's Pablo's Poppin' Podcast, and we we could just talk you know, absolute nonsense for a long time. He's a big fan of 90s Britpop, and uh, we do reminisce quite a lot about the 90s, and obviously there's a lot of Bowie talk there as well. And Martin is actually the promoter for the David Bowie... Uh, the, the Bowie experience. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not recording this all again. Uh, like I always said, no edits where possible. Uh, the Bowie experience, he is promoting their gigs... Um, in Newcastle at the Clooney on the 4th and 5th of August so do come along I will be on the doors and uh, I'll be hopefully doing a good enough job he gives me a big bag of Haribo uh, when I do the doors for him and uh, he gave me penguins one time which was really good he kept me entertained he gave me chocolate and he gave me jokes and isn't that what life is all about really so yes um, also upcoming he has confirmed and I've got to do the interview with him I don't like talking about confirmations until I've done the interview but um, he's he's set to do it um, Stefan Petty a big local northeast celebrity who has done TV he's done Heaven uh, the BBC sitcom and uh, is it a sitcom no it was more like a yeah it's a sitcom um, and he's done like other he's yeah, he's all around Newcastle he does BBC uh yeah, Metro Radio and all that kind of stuff and we will be talking about lots of stuff because he's doing a lot of stage stuff as well and we going to, we will be going into various different uh, subjects and it'll be a heck of a lot of fun so yes, thank you for tuning in do check out the archives where I've interviewed actors, authors filmmakers, professional wrestlers, motivational speakers in all fields, you will find someone that you like on Podbean, do subscribe on iTunes as well, feel free to leave me a 5 star review and I will give you a shout out, I really really appreciate it if you think I'm shit, I always say it, let me know in private, <laughs> give, give me constructive feedback in private and I will take it on board and uh, I think that's pretty much it, so yes, uh, turn chuckle next Wednesday, if uh, you professional wrestling fans out there which will be on novaradio.co.uk that's 8 till 10 every wednesday and then it will be archived on the podcast page a, a few days after that basically and then eventually also on itunes as well because it automatically uploads all that kind of stuff so yes thank you again to lawrence uh, i look forward to seeing him at the clooney and thank you all for listening and i will see you all next time yay Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.